0: Man, it is. um, I I will say, it is so good to be with you guys. Um, Selfishly, for the first reason is that uh, by God's grace, this might be California winter, Uh, but what we call this in North Carolina, this is spring, y'all. Like uh, I will, uh, I I touch down tomorrow morning, uh, 6 a.m. Charlotte time, and it will be a balmy 18 degrees. Um, So it's it's gonna be i 'm a short year round type guy, but that might be might be a rough transition tomorrow morning so i 'm not not super excited about it um, but uh, but I mean, I am glad to be uh, here with you guys to be um, with with good friends uh, tim and, uh, and tiffany and um, it's good to see them, even though he's 2,100 miles away. And uh, and Tab Tab was asking me today, how'd you meet? And it sounds like a really bad like Match.com story, because it's like, well, we met on the internet, oh. <laughs> but uh, it kind of through less less sketchy ways than uh, than Match.com, and 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 more to everything to do with uh, again just by the uh, by the economy of the world we live in that we're able to to exchange ideas to. Um, to quote, to uh, to refer to, and I'd, I'd quoted something Tim that ha- had written for in the in the months leading up to that, and uh, and and sort of we, I think he rabbit trailed his way back around to my website, and the rest is history. I guess I guess he saw something in me that wasn't insane, and um, and so he gravitated toward that. So um, good to be with him. Good to meet y'all, man. Um, good to get to sit with with a couple couple your elders and get some some. I guess, hipster tacos, uh, from, from my understanding, so, uh, that was, that was delicious, and, and to, to hear your elder's heart, too. um, you know, again, by God's grace, I, I travel a lot and speak a lot, and there's, there's not a lot of churches where I see leadership that, that treasures Christ and treasures biblical and gospel faithfulness as, as much as your, your team does, and, uh, and, and, that that encourages me. Um, that's uh, that's so huge to know the gospel. That that in my role I get to proclaim the gospel and then I get to leave. Uh, but but to know that when I leave, you know what? Gospel still proclaimed. God's word is still shared, and so I'm I'm, I'm thankful for that, brother. I'm I'm, I'm encouraged by your heart. Um, and, and so tonight, what I want to do real quick is um, is I do want to share a little bit of my story, um, just what God has led me through. Uh, just because I figured out uh, again in these travels man if I don't get the armless elephant out of the middle of the room like y'all are just gonna sit there and go but wait how's this boy like scratch his nose like did he teleport here like can he can he drive like I, I don't I, I don't understand and so it's like we we want to get that stuff out of the way so we can get into the goods and, and we can get into to God's word um, so that and that's that that's the life-changing stuff, y'all. Like my my story, my life, man. The the beautiful part about that is is it points to something bigger and better than just eating a Big Mac with your toes. Um, and, uh, and and so hopefully we we can we can paint a lo- little bit of that that picture tonight. And and man, just bed down and rest in the gospel. And um and so for for me, um spoiler alert, y'all. It I'm not armless because there was a. Like a twin headed shark attack or anything, which you think that's crazy, but somebody asked me in, the, in an airport one time, was it two sharks at once? <laughs> I'm like, who does that? Like, if that did happen, bro, you would have heard about it a long time ago, because that, like, Soul Surfer chick, like, her story would be Junior League to getting mauled by two sharks at once. And, and he sat there for a second, and he's like, you know, you're, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> thanks um, so so no shark attack no no bear attack um, man this is just this is just the way I was born, and, and so I think the uh, that that may seem dull, I guess to some of you, but the I guess the interesting thing in that is nobody had any clue um, that there was anything wrong you know i was born i 'm thirty four uh, I was born in, born in the mid eighties and so you know medical technology is definitely not what it, what it is right now, but i mean it 's not like you know, we weren't living in the dark ages, and so mom, mom had a healthy pregnancy and two ultrasounds, and so all along the way, it was, Mrs. Richie, you're going to have this, this healthy baby boy. And so nobody, nobody knew that anything was going to be wrong until the moment I came into the world. And, and the moment I was born, it, it was a literal hush just swept across the delivery room. And so instantly, like, my dad's heart sinks because he doesn't hear his boy cry. And, and, and the, the doctor that, that's holding me, he realizes he's holding this armless baby boy who's not breathing and not moving. And, and in that instant, the, the doctor turns and, and he, he, he kind of sits me up so dad can see that I don't have arms. And in that instant, the doctor also says, listen, this, this little boy is not breathing. I can't pick up any discernible vitals. Do you want us to let him go? Because, man, in that, in that doctor's eyes, in, in, a, in a worldview and in a, I think, an economy of ideas where comfort is king, to look at a little baby boy that we know, that we know, that we know best case scenario gets made fun of a lot has a hard life, is frustrated in that doctor's eyes why bother that, that butts up against comfort and ease it butts up against for all, for all intents and purposes that butts up against the American dream and, and so why even get a life started when the American dream is impossible. And man, praise God that, that in that moment, my parents were like, no, that's, that's our little boy. You do whatever it, it, it takes to, to, to revive him. And so they, they rush me out, the doctors and the nurses. And, and in, in that delivery room, it's literally my mom and my dad and one nurse just as they're trying to work on me and revive me. And in this whole process, my mother doesn't get to see me, touch me, hold me, nothing. She knows something is desperately wrong. And, and and so my dad has to tell the mother of his son, our little boy doesn't have arms. Our little boy is not breathing. Our little boy might not live. And I think like, you know, I'm like Tab said, I'm a dad. Um, and there's plenty of times when when life happens and you feel like you want to be really spiritual and, and, and my dad talks about after the fact I had always prepared myself to be a spiritual leader but he's like in that moment I was scared to death I didn't know what to do I didn't know what to say the only thing my dad could think of to do was to pray and it wasn't super spiritual it wasn't wordy like he just he just prayed with my mom God if you let our boy live we'll give him to you whatever whatever that looks like and whatever that means god we're we're all in and that was his simple prayer and by god's grace just a matter of minutes later in comes a screaming kicking armless little boy and you know god had answered the prayers of my parents and mom finally gets to see me and talk to her little boy and and uh start to do do all the things that moms do but then the the crazy thing was this that we were we were at a teaching hospital and so word starts to spread hey on floor two there's an armless kid and and so people started pouring into our room like pediatricians that are not my pediatrician Um, uh, orthopedic specialists, surgeons um, a hand specialist comes in our room and my dad's like bro come on man <laughs> it's like all right, sorry wrong room uh you know and, and and so all these doctors they would they would check me out and 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 they would look me over and take vitals and and then they would give some sort of like life prognosis not that my parents asked um but literally all but one doctor all they had to offer up was just negativity it, it was it was my mom and dad being told everything from I'd never feed myself, I'd never write, I'd never go to normal school, I'd never graduate high school, I'd never move out on my own, I'd never get a job, I'd never get married. It, it was a whole lot of debris, I think in terms of just what, what lie ahead for me. But even with all that negativity, I think it, in the fear, and in the hurt, and in the frustration of that, like, the only thing my parents could think of was that prayer that they had prayed just hours before, and it was, God, let our boy live. God's got this, and, um, and, and in a lot of ways, he, he really did, like, all of those, all of those prophecies that, that the doctors had, they didn't come true, like, I, I, the, the best way I can put it, whatever you do with your hands, I do with my feet, from top to bottom. I'm a terrible basketball player, like, if we, if we were to break out into a five-on-five five right now, you don't want me on your team. Um, unless you're a shooter, like, if you're a shooter, I can screen, like, I can screen you all day long, you'll get free, you'll, man, you can hit some threes, um, but that's all I can do in basketball, but, but man, literally everything else... Um, And by God's grace, he he gave me some talented toes to write with my feet, eat with my feet. Um, You know, I went to a normal school, normal elementary school, um, all the the way through high school, graduated high school with honors. I went to college on a full ride, graduated college with honors, met the girl of my dreams, you know, the summer of my junior year. And well, I put a ring on it before she figured out what she was in, in for and and uh, we got married after my senior year um, and, uh, and have two kids and, and in between uh, I was student ministry for 13 years um, I've been, been doing this now for, for a year and a half just just traveling and speaking and preaching and so all of those things that I was never supposed to do God said hey watch this and, and that's the thing I love about God is God takes the wisdom of the world and he flips it on its head but so while, while my body was never my struggle I think it, it was that external perspective of me it was this internal weight that I wasn't good enough it's, it's the it's almost that same perspective in, in John chapter 9 Jesus and the disciples they're traveling to see a guy who's born blind and, and the disciples' first words about that man is who sinned? who sinned that this man was born blind? Jesus said, nobody sinned. He's born this way so that the works of God can be displayed in his life, and, and Jesus goes on to, to spit in, in, into some dirt and makes mud, and, and he wipes it in, in the blind man's eyes, and he says, go go and wash. The blind man does, and, and he comes back seeing. But those words, those words of the disciples, who screwed up that he's going through this? That that was what raced through my heart most days, was God, God, if you loved me, I'd be like everybody else. God, if you loved me, I'd, I'd have arms. God, if you loved me, it would have been, it would have been like a, 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 a some sort of like red mark on my face and not two empty sleeves. God, if you loved me, I wouldn't have to deal with this junk. And, and so... the. There was this understanding, even from, from early days, from, from parents who loved me, that Jesus loved me, and that he had a plan for me, but I sat there as, as just a, as a kid, as a teenager, sitting underneath this weight that I didn't understand, sitting underneath this weight where I feel like I was damaged goods, that I had done something wrong, that God didn't love me, that God can't take broken things. And use them for His glory. That's what, that's what I thought. I thought my suffering and that my hurt was the picture of, of a jacked up life. And really what I didn't realize is my suffering and my hurt is the picture, like Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8, is the picture of just this groaning of all of creation. That ever since from almost the beginning of scripture that creation has sat underneath the weight of man's sin and man's disobedience that because Adam and Eve directly disobeyed God that we as people, we taste death, we taste toil, we taste frustration, that creation itself is broken and things are not as they should be as we we see from natural disasters, sickness, disease, injustice. I mean, man, the list goes on and on. Every bit of suffering and hurt, toil, frustration is the picture of brokenness in this world. My two empty sleeves are the picture of, of things that are, are not as as originally designed But two empty sleeves are also the picture that God takes broken things and broken people just like God took that blind man and said he didn't do anything wrong. I made him this way to flash back eight chapters in John to John chapter one that in him all things were made. And to know that the one who was about to heal that blind man was the very one who made him and is the very one who knew every bit of insecurity and frustration that this blind man had. And he knew the impact that that blind man was about to have on his town. And one of the things that I think it's so important for us to see. That we live in an age where almost always... When, when apologetics are discussed, when the difficult questions of faith and life are discussed, what almost always comes up? If God's so good, why does suffering exist? If God loves me, why did I grow up in a broken home? God is truly good, why do I have cancer? If God is gracious and caring and makes good things, why does my son have autism? There there are some desperately painful questions that we ask ourselves, that we wrestle with. And there, there is there's a deep-seated part to pain when we look in our own lives and go, Yeah, I know everything about God, but right now my life seems shrouded in darkness. My face seems next to no good. My prayers seem like they stop at, at the lighting in the roof. Like, God, where is the good and where is the glory in my heartache and in my groaning? God, where are you at? And, and I think that the good news for us is that even in our hurt, God knows. And that, that, is, that is a shot that God called early on. You see, right after the fall, Genesis chapter 3, we see what's called the first gospel. That there is one who is coming, who will crush the head of the serpent. Though his heel will be bruised, he will undo all that sin and death hold, even in his affliction. And and like we see here tonight, if, if you have your Bible, Psalm 22 um, Psalm 22 is where we're going to be, and this is, um, this is almost one of those other uh, old, old Testament gospels. You'll, you'll hear uh, Bible commentators, you'll hear guys a lot smarter than me, they'll, they'll call this chapter the gospel according to David. Um, this, is, this is in so many ways. These may be the words of David, but like, honestly, we're going to see straight in, in verse one. These are the words of the one who is to come. These are the words of the one who, who was promised to David that there would be a descendant of David who would sit on the throne eternally and who would rule and reign and establish God's kingdom. But maybe in David's eyes, that kingdom and that rule and that reign might be coming a little bit differently than, than everybody would expect. And that the, the king to come would be the king to suffer, would be the king to have his hands pierced, to be mocked, to be scorned, but for all of that, man, to take brokenness and to take sin in this world and to stitch it all back by his glorious gospel. And that's what we see here in Psalm 22. We, we, we're we about to read, I, th- I think, uh, a verse that we didn't know rings first in, in the Old Testament when... Um, from the hand of David, we see in verse 1 My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some of your translations, why have you forsaken me? Words so familiar that we see from Jesus on the cross. Why are you so far from my deliverance? And from my words of groaning, My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, yet I have no rest. But you are holy. Enthroned on the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned by mankind and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer. They shake their heads. He relies on the Lord. Let him save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes so much pleasure in him. But God, it was you who brought me out of the womb, making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. Do not be far from me because distress is near. There's no one to help. God, I just pray that in these few moments as we look at your word, we look at the promise of a rescue to come. God, that we would see your hope in our hurt and your plan in our pain. God, may we know you are with us. You have not forgotten us and that you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I, I think very quickly, and, and we'll get to this in a minute, I think as, as we look at the problem of pain, as we look at why suffering exists on this world, as we often have the question asked of us, why do bad things happen to good people? I think we've got the question wrong. The, the right question is not why do bad things happen to good people, because if I were to look around the room, I know if I'm starting with myself, I'm not very good. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I've thrown quite a, quite a few people under the bus in my brain today. Um, you know, I have driven down I-5, and I've said not-so-nice things about plenty of people that I have driven past in Southern California today. So, so I know at least today, my sin sheet is not very clean. So A, good, goodness is definitely a relative term, because I think for all of us in this room, we, we have fallen short uh, of the glory of God. But I do think the, the more faithful question to ask is why would a glorious and perfect God step into a broken world and take on flesh and suffer and die for a bunch of people that want nothing to do with him? Why is that the means of the gospel? Why is that the means by which we are given hope? Why is that the means by which we, we are bought back? And I think one of the most important things that we have to realize is that even as you hurt, even as you sit in this room tonight and you feel you are shrouded in darkness, it is to know that Christ himself has tasted that and more. That in verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are the words that are uttered in the Gospels by Jesus on the cross. That as Christ himself who is in perfect fellowship with the Father comes down to earth and takes on flesh and for a moment, Scripture says God looks away as the full force of the wrath of God is poured out on Christ because we're rebellious. Because we're sinful. Because we have fallen short of what God has asked of us. But Jesus suffered so that we could have hope. And I think it's so important for us. It is, you know, in, in, uh, to, to Tab's point, you know, I spent 13 years in student ministry. And one of the things I saw about students, and, and if any of you in here are parents of teenagers, um, teenagers are a little emotional, just, just a skosh. Um, and, uh, and so one of the things that, that you see in teenagers, but I think paints the picture of all of our hearts, we live by feelings a lot of ways. We, we operate, we move, we function as people who go off of what we feel. And so there are plenty of times in our life when life doesn't go according to plan. We feel like God doesn't love us. Or when darkness surrounds us, when there seems to be nothing but relational silence in our life that obviously God is not with us. And what starts to happen is our feelings start to betray our faith. Our feelings betray what we know. And so what we see here is we see the picture uh, of a God who intimately knows our hurt and then some. Both from a physical level, from a spiritual level. And one of the things that, that we have to, even in our darkness, to remind ourselves is God is not numb. God is not distant from your pain. As a matter of fact, you see in Romans chapter 8, there's nothing that separates us from God's love. Not fear, not sword, not nakedness, not anything in this earth. As a matter of fact, you see in Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 and 16, we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. God knows your hurt. God knows your feelings of isolation. I mean, again, like, if we are to think of these words that we read right here in Psalm 22 as the voice of Christ himself, God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you far from my deliverance and from the words of my groaning? God, I cry out to you, but you didn't answer. God, by night, I have no rest. And and as we sit in our own lives and we pray and we go, God, why don't you fix it? God, why isn't my pain going away? God, why do I sit here at night and I can't fall asleep because I'm freaking out about my life. I'm freaking out uh, about ways to provide for my family. I'm scared about what might happen to, to my wife, to my, to my aunt, to my, to my kid that's sick, that has this disease. God, what do I do? And the beautiful part is, is Jesus knows because he's done the same thing. He has sat in the garden and he has prayed drops of blood over the fact of the impending cross. And he says, God, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Y'all, to think of the blind man in John chapter nine, that it was God's will that he was crafted as a man born blind. And he l- goes through an entire life of everybody looking at him and going, Who screwed up that he was born this way? As God fearfully and wonderfully crafted me with no arms to try to fumble around h- how to figure out how to eat a cup of jello with his toes or how to drive a car or. You know, the the intricacies of teenage dating when you can't hold anyone's hand. You know, like, suffering and hardship and, and hurt It comes in different shapes and sizes. But all of it, God knows. All of it, God is with us. So do not think in your hurt that God has abandoned you. And do not think that in your hurt, that God is not working in you because one of the things that I think is so beautiful that as the suffering servant here in Psalm 22 cries out and he says his prayers aren't answered and he says he can't go to sleep at night but what does he say? You are holy. God, you are. And I think that one of the things that we have to know and understand is even in our brokenness and our groaning and our suffering, that God's character is still known. And as a a matter of fact, God's character is often made most visible when we are most desperate. As Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God is tells Paul as he pleads, God, take this thorn in my flesh. Take whatever the, this suffering that we don't know what it is, but it's enough to, to literally torture Paul. And he pleads with God three times, and what is God's response to Paul? My power is perfected in your weakness. And church, one of the things that we have to see is that in our suffering, we see the glory We see the grace, we see the mercy, we see the love, we see the sovereignty of God made perfectly clear. Because if God can take a guy like Paul, murderer, hateful, spiteful, arrogant, God can take that guy and build the New Testament church with it. If God can take the guy who pins these very words here in Psalm 22, the adulterer, the liar, the murderer, David, and God says, That's a man after my own heart. Oh, wait, what God? That even in our failures, in our shortcomings, in our insecurities, that all underneath it is God taking all things and redeeming them and reconciling them and working them all back together. God takes broken things and he restores and he redeems and he gives hope. Because God took the broken body of Christ to restore what was undone in the garden. And as you look all through scripture and as you look at the sufferings of Christ and as you know and understand that because of the sin of man that suffering and hurt and heartache jumps up on the scene, that because of suffering of Christ, that hope exists for all who trust. And I mean, man, look through scripture. When you look through what the suffering of Christ did, that Christ has won us our redemption, Galatians three thirteen that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by coming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. That God saw the fact that you at one point or another hated him and wanted nothing to do with him, yet Jesus still goes, like Romans chapter 5 talks about, he still goes to the cross when we were weak, when we hated him, when we were ungodly. He died so that we could taste eternal life. When we see in scripture that that Christ has won us our forgiveness by his sufferings, Isaiah 53, 5, he was pierced for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace with his wounds we are healed there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood by the blood of Christ there is forgiveness for us all that in Christ we are righteous by his sacrifice Romans five nineteen. for by the one man's disobedience the one man being Adam many were made sinners but by one or excuse me, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, but by one man's obedience. Man, we are given hope. We are washed clean. So Adam can screw things all up, but Jesus is coming to restore. Jesus died so that we can have hope. By the death of Christ, we taste both victory over death Victory over sin, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, that Jesus himself likewise took of the same things. That through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those who through the fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now, for you to take greatest fears, oddly enough, public speaking is more terrifying to a lot of people than dying. Don't understand that one. Um, But man, that for those who trust, for those who look at the sacrifice of Christ and say, God, I believe we have nothing to fear that the moment that we pass from death to life, because faith becomes sight. That's... What Jesus has won us is we don't have to be afraid when we pass from this life. We don't have to be identified with all our mistakes and all of our past because, like it talks about in, in Colossians chapter 2, that Jesus, by going to the cross, canceled the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So Jesus going to the cross, you know what he does? He takes all of those accusations, or better put, he takes all those thoughts when you sit there alone in the middle of the night and you go, I'm not good enough. Like I sit there and I think of how I treated my wife or how I talked to my kids the horrible things that I've done and the thoughts come into my mind that I'm screwed up. I'm damaged goods. God can't love me. But Jesus takes all of that junk and he nails it to the cross and he goes, you're good enough because I was good enough. You're not good enough because you were good enough. There is no good enough for us to do. Christ won that good enough through what he did on the that's the victory that we sit in because ultimately our great reward in the cross is fellowship with the Father. 1 Peter 3.18. Christ suffered for all sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit. What Jesus did is he took a holy God and a sinful man and he bridged that huge gap that there is no way that a holy God can have anything to do with a sinful, jacked up, wayward man, but what Jesus did by dying, see he bridged the gap, it was the righteous for the unrighteous. It was the son of God stepping into our flesh to make us sons and daughters of God. That's what Jesus has done. So as we sit here tonight and we go, but God, what about my pain? God, what about my hurt? God, what about the fear that I taste when, when I wake, when I sleep? God, what about that? God, where's, where's my break? God, where's, where's this respite? And, and that was one of the things that, that y'all, I, I still struggle with. You know, one of the things that I figured out really early on, you know, I got saved as a 15-year-old, and God in His grace gave me hope, and He gave me joy, and He gave me peace, but I went to bed, and I woke up the next morning, and you know, what I didn't still, ha- what I didn't still have was arms. Like, I didn't get saved, and suddenly, pop, you know, they, they, they didn't come crawling out my sleeves, and I mean, could, could God in, in His miraculous grace give me arms? I mean, yeah, he's God. You know, he, he can make blind man see who does that. And I mean, if I was standing on the stage and arms popped out of my sleeves, y'all would pass out. Uh, y'all, y'all would scream and leave this place and never come back. Like, it would it'd be a little weird. Um, God could do it. But I think at the end of the day, God doesn't need to. Because what God has given me in Him just in his, in his very presence in my life He has given me as Paul talks about I count all things as loss in view of the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord so what the cross of Christ wins us is not a, not a better life, it's not a best life now what God has won us is a hope in the hurt. Is, is a peace as we sit in our frustration and our toil and our pain and ultimately our prayer ought to be the same prayer of the suffering servant in verse 11. I think it is so interesting. He doesn't ask for the pain to stop in verse 11. All he simply asks is God be near. God be with me be beside me. And you know what the beautiful thing for all of us in this room is? Is for those of us who trust in Christ, he's not just with us, he's in us. We see in in, in Ephesians 1 that he has placed his spirit in us as a down payment of the better things to come. And that even in this life as we hurt, Even in this life, as we see like Paul does, you you see this picture in the book of Philippians of joy and hope and peace and strength and contentment. Paul can say in Philippians 4.11, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances that I find myself in. I've found myself in want. I have found myself having plenty. I have found myself in hunger. I have found myself in abundance, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. He can pin those words from a gel cell, not knowing if he's going to live or die, and he can say he's content. Why? It's because of Christ. He can say with full authority in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And for some of us in here, that, that is a bold statement to make, But that is the the truest hope that we have, that in this life, that when it all comes down to it, the only thing I might have is Jesus. I might lose respect, I might lose money, I might lose my valuables, I might lose everything. But if all I have is Christ, I have all I need. And even if in this life my suffering leads me unto death, my faith. gives me presence with my Savior. It allows me to see the one I've lived my life for. And at the end of the day, in all of our suffering, even if the pain doesn't go away, even if the darkness doesn't completely part, Jesus reminds us, I have something better. I have hope for you in this life found solely in him and so tonight there there might be a lot of us in here that maybe you don't know Jesus at all you're still trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing But man, the simple hope for us like it talks about in Romans chapter 10 our hope in this life our hope in the next is to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord Believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead and we will, we will be saved. And what that means for us is that eternity means we have presence with Him. But in this life now, that He will start to work in us joy and peace, hope, strength. That's not going to happen overnight. Like y'all, I got saved And I still woke up from time to time and I faced frustration and hurt and fear. Even after all these years of of following Christ, of being in ministry, I still have afflictions. I still have heartbreak, I still have fear, I still have bad days when I don't wanna go out. I don't want people to stare I don't want people to call me a freak and a weirdo. I want people to call me gross. But even in the midst of that, Jesus reminds me that he's better than their words. He's given me a hope that carries far more weight than theirs. That ultimately, I don't have to be defined by the short-sightedness of people. I don't have to be defined by my job. I don't have to be defined by the zeros in my bank account or the toys in my driveway or the square footage in my house. Our life in this world is simply defined by being a son, being a daughter of God. And with that carries its own inheritance. It's way better than the stuff of this world and the things that can rust and that moth can destroy and that can be passed down to somebody else, Jesus gives us an inheritance that we get to cash in when we pass from this life to the next. That's what Christ on the cross has given us. That's where we place our trust. That's where we place our hope, even when it hurts, knowing that he hurt far more than we did but he hurt to give us hope. He hurt to give us identity and purpose. And if you sit here tonight and you don't know what it's like to have that sort of identity and purpose, please come talk to Tab. Come talk to me when it's all said and done. I'd love to just chat with you, pray with you. But don't let this this night go by without knowing where your true hope in your hurt is. Without knowing who Jesus truly is, both as Lord, as Savior, as Rescuer, as Redeemer. Don't let that pass by. Let's pray. God.